Okay, here in 2 Kings chapter 18, what we were reading about... Steve, I don't think you're on. Oop, am I, okay. Sorry, that's better. So 2 Kings chapter um, 17, um, which was the previous chapter that we, uh, that from the one that we're going to be in tonight, we saw the northern ten tribes, which refer to in the Old Testament as Israel. Ironically, Israel uh, is referred to in First and Second Kings as the ten tribes who um, were just wicked. There was never a good king. They, they had, there had been a civil war uh, after the reign of Solomon and uh, ten tribes were ripped away um, from the, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel, and they formed uh, a nation called Israel. So the south, which uh, is the line of the King David, was the Judah and Benjamin. It's referred to as Judah. The south was the, um, was the line of the Messiah. And so you have uh, good kings uh, and you have bad kings in the south, in Judah, but in the north, every single one for over 200 years uh, was a wicked king. But we saw last time, a couple weeks ago, in chapter 17, uh, the, uh, the northern kingdom was overrun. It was overrun by uh, the Assyrians, the enemies of, uh, of Israel, and the people were taken and carted away to Assyria and to just basically countries all over the world, and then some different people came in and occupied. And so the northern ten, ten tribes have been overrun, and we went through the whole reason why that happened. They had sent, God had sent prophet after prophet after prophet to them, not only prophets, but the heavyweights. Elijah and Elisha, don't forget that. He, he was so gracious, he sent the heavy weights to the north. Elijah, Elisha, and, and, and others were sent up there. But as we, um, you don't have to go back there but with me, but in chapter 17, um, it, it gives the reasons because they had sinned against the Lord for generation after generation after generation. Uh, number uh, two, they feared other gods rather than fearing the Lord. Number three, they walked in the statutes of the nations um, around them, which required uh, going, uh, worshiping other gods. Uh, number four, they secretly did against the Lord their God things that weren't right. And we just, this speaks to the importance of what are we doing in private. And then number um, uh, number five, it says they built for themselves high places in all their cities from watchtower to fortified cities. So just building up altars to other gods all around the country. They were warned over and over again, if you continue this, you're going to get, God's going to come in and judge you. They didn't listen. And the Syrians came in and overran them and took them away and exiled them to nations all around the world. Now, what is remarkable, at the same time while that is happening, in chapter 18 of 2 Kings, 
you see the beginning of the greatest, or I think the greatest revival um, that there um, ever was in the entire Old Testament. A heartfelt revival. There's another revival in the time of Josiah. We're going to read that, but it, it, it appears that it was more of a shallow thing. They were just doing what the king told them to, but not in the time of Hezekiah. And so in verse 1, um, it says, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. So there's only three kings of which it said. It it said that, that they did what was right Um, according to all that their father David had done, Asa, Jehoshaphat, rather there's four kings, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, and Josiah. So, but Hezekiah um, here, uh, you notice that um, his father was Ahaz. Now, I know we already talked about this, but this is just so important. Ahaz was one wicked dude. He not only set up idols all over um, Jerusalem, he boarded up the temple. He, he boarded it up. You couldn't even go in it. He passed his sons through the fire. He sacrificed his sons to foreign gods. And um, here he is. He's having a son who is going to lead the greatest revival I believe, in the Old Testament. Again, so important um, that you don't think that because maybe you you had a father who was a a deadbeat or worse than a deadbeat. He was abusive. He was was an idolater. He was uh, just uh, alcohol and drugs was, was his idol, whatever. It can never be an excuse and the Bible says that, that, that God gives each generation, you have a choice. And here you have a great example of, of someone who uh, was the son uh, and, and he saw his dad's horrible behavior. Can you imagine seeing your brothers killed in child sacrifice? This is the kind of upbringing that Hezekiah had. But I also want to say something else. It says in verse 2, it says that um, Hezekiah's mother was a, a woman by the name of Abi. And uh, there are, there are uh, indications that this woman was the reason Hezekiah became who he was. And I think that should be an encouragement to um, you ladies. Oh boy, I just about got myself in a lot of trouble. Let me rephrase um, th- this is, a, uh, this is a, 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 an encouragement to any ladies, not you ladies. I didn't say you ladies, just forget that. Any ladies who are married to a man, to an Ahaz, who is uh, just a wicked dude, he, c- he doesn't care about um, uh, the, the kids, uh, he has no role in their life, or any role that he does have is a bad, bad influence, and, 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 and the, 
here you have an example of, of a woman who appears to be a woman who had a heart for God and she just remained faithful to the Lord and trusted in God. It, it's so important, ladies, that, that you understand that. that, that um, uh, and I, I speak to anyone listening here um, now or in the future that, that um, listen, you need to, to trust in the Lord and uh, as I've said many times, even if it, you, you may be separated or divorced from your husband. Your kid has the, your child is in custody of the husband in the weekend and he does all kinds of gross stuff that you don't agree with. Movies that are bad or whatever. He's drinking alcohol, smoking weed in front of the kids. Moses grew up in the court of sorcerers and look what happened to Moses. And, and, and so... Uh, important just to, to walk with the Lord and entrust your children to the Lord regardless of what your husband is doing and husbands to wives. There are many, many godly men out there married to a women who can care less about Jesus Christ. Same exact thing. Uh, you Guys, you follow the Lord. Just follow the Lord. Trust your children to Him. Commit your children to Him um, every day. They're, they're, they're ultimately, really, they're, they're His. You don't own them. They're His. Nothing you own is, is yours, including your, your kids. And, 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 and entrust them to the Lord. So you see um, this, uh, you, you see this, this uh, wonderful example here of, a young man who becomes king and he does, he, he, he reigns and he leads a revival, notwithstanding the behavior of his father. Verse 4 says, He removed the high places, he broke down the sacred pillars, he cut down the wooden image, and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Nehushtan. Now, some of you remember um, what that's about in the, in the book of Numbers, when in chapter 21, when the uh, people of Israel um, were in the wilderness after they had been delivered from uh, slavery in Egypt, they started to complain saying, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness, Moses? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Can you imagine that? Bread miraculously falling out of the sky, manna. And they're calling it worthless. Even though it's a miracle that they're getting every every day. What did God do? He sent fiery serpents among the people. They bit the people and many of the people died. And it says that they cried out to the Lord and Moses, uh, actually God told Moses to make a fiery serpent out of bronze, put it on a pole and, and tell everyone who was bitten to look at it and they shall live. And he did. He put it on a pole. People looked on it, and they lived. And of course, um, uh, Jesus in, in, in the book of, of John uh, uh, picks up on this imagery, and he says in the book of John, he, he, he says, even uh, as uh, Moses 
in lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But they took this, this bronze serpent, and this is hundreds of years later, hundreds of years later, uh, over a thousand years later, I think, by now, after this bronze serpent, serpent had been made, uh, they are, no, no, what is it, about six or seven hundred years, this bronze serpent had survived. They had made an idol out of it and they burned incense to it. Now, at the time of the Reformation, that is when Martin Luther uh, led a reformation of the Catholic Church and, and, and so-called Protestantism um, came into being. Uh, Protestant is short, uh, is long for protest. They were protesting against uh, the Catholic Church. The, the thing that really initiated in his mind, yeah, he, looked, he read the book of Romans and realized we're saved by faith alone and not works, but there was another huge thing going on at the time, and that was indulgences. The Pope would send out um, emissaries throughout the, the throughout Europe, and um, these people would have, I don't know, they'd have a, a piece of a robe of Jesus, and 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 they would sell it, and and people would buy these things, and and they would do things like burn incense to them, just like they 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 did here in the book of Second Kings, chapter eighteen. That's what happens when you're not schooled in the Bible. Because if they were schooled in the Bible at the time, they would be going, huh, should I really be burning incense to uh, the, 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 the Virgin Mary's uh, shoe or sandal or whatever? I, I don't think so, because 2 Kings 18, they started doing that with Mo, uh, Moses' bronze serpent. And, and uh, uh, so uh, this is why I, I, I personally... Um, I'm very cautious and wary about anything resembling a, a pilgrimage, even to go to a place where I think it's great to go to Jerusalem. I do want to go to Jerusalem before I'm fractured or uh, die, but, but be wary about whatever, treating the garden tomb where Jesus was placed in after. They think it's the place as something really, the rock there is more holy than any other rock on planet Earth. It's, it's, there's a danger of it. There's a d danger of it um, here. And so, but he takes this thing, and I, this is where you, you just step back. That is pretty amazing that he took this a bronze serpent that Moses had. Moses had it. And, and he, he destroys the thing. What does he do to it? Um, he... he uh, he broke it into pieces. And, and Moses, of course, is revered amongst the children of Israel. This guy had some serious guts to be able to do that. I mean, can you imagine if, if, if you had, I mean, I don't know, if you, if you really knew that um, the Apostle Paul's staff, it was really his. Can you imagine having the the, the, the courage, if it was made into something idolatry, to go and take that thing and in the sight of people throw it into a fire? I, 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 this guy had, 
uh, he had some really some some serious chutzpah. Uh, uh, he had courage. And uh, the next verse in verse five says he trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. In what way did he trust in the Lord God Israel? Well, let me tell you, if you're taking a very sacred thing to the nation of Israel, a bronze serpent of Moses, and you're breaking it up into pieces and destroying it, you're getting a lot of people mad. And Hezekiah knew the history of the kings of Judah. We've already seen a couple, two, two or three of them. They've been assassinated. And, and it's easy for us to read this and go, oh, he's like the coolest guy. Yeah, I'd do it if I was him. Uh, I, I, you know, wait a second. Uh, if you're a young man, 25 years of age, just getting in to become king the first time, you know what happens? A lot of people are going, oh, who is this guy? You know, I remember this, he was a snotty-nosed kid when I, when, you know, when I grew up with him. He, he thinks he's king. There had to be in a tremendous resistance. Um, keep in mind that a, a lot of people had a lot. It says in verse 4, he removed the high places. Keep in mind there are people who, who would take advantage of, of the high places. Those are little places of sacrifice that, that people used to do. There would be people, I don't know, like charging money and things like that to go to places like this, which is all the, all the time what happens with religious places. He would have infuriated people by doing these things. Um, verse 4, breaking sacred pillars, cutting down wooded images, breaking into the pe- uh, pieces of the bronze serpent, but he trusted in the Lord. He saw, he knew, remember the book of Deuteronomy, it says that each king was required to write down the entire first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, And he knew it. He knew the word of God. And so he was able to um, just, he trust, it says he trusted in the Lord his God. In verse five, he was able to just trust, you know, this is what the Bible said. There's not supposed to be high places. There's not supposed to be a, a bronze serpent where people idolize and burn incense to. That's only supposed to be happening in the temple. Um, these things are wrong, and he did them by faith. No doubt to a tremendous amount of resistance. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor were before him. Verse 6, for he held fast. What was his secret? What was his secret? He held fast to the Lord God. Notice how it says he didn't hold fast to the law of God. He holds fast to God himself. Such a distinction there. I remember as just a new believer, I was just really zealous to obey the law. And it took me a while in, 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 in bruising different people in the process with, 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 with a misplaced zeal to realize it was more important for me to hold fast, to join my, 
together to the Lord than to his law. Now, obviously, if someone's joining themselves to the Lord, they're going to obey the law. But there's a big distinction here. One is just religion. The other is a relationship. This word, he held fast to the Lord, is the same word as Genesis chapter 2, where it says a man should leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Same word in Hebrew. Same word. For he, verse 6 of 2 Kings 18, he joined to the Lord. Meaning it was a relationship. It was real. It was real devotion. We're going to hopefully get to that tonight uh, to, to be able to see that. He joined himself. He held fast to the Lord, did not depart from following his commandments, but kept his commandments which the, which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him. Don't you want that to be your legacy? When the Lord takes you away someday, man, I would love for, good, for people to say that about me. The Lord was with him. What a legacy. The Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went. I was talking with my, with my daughter Adelaide last week and she was like, it's so incredibly simple. You obey the Lord and you get prospered or you don't obey the Lord and your life is, it, it falls apart. It's just so simple. Why don't we get it? Oh, because we were, were born in sin, and, uh, but through the Spirit of God, we can get it, and we can, uh, uh, by the Spirit of God, we can prosper, uh, just like it says, he prospered wherever he went. Calvary Chapel, this is exactly what happens. When you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, when you join together with the Lord, he's going to prosper you wherever you go. Doesn't mean you won't be in difficulties. This guy's about to have 184,000 Assyrian soldiers surrounding Jerusalem telling the people of the city that they're going to drink their own wastewater. This is going to happen before tonight's out. Hopefully we'll read this. He's good. He has trouble, but there's a prosperity to his life. That is undeniable. Why? Because he's joined himself to the Lord. He's not just following laws. Uh, it's interesting the, the influence this guy has. Some of you may know this, but um, in Proverbs, Proverbs 25, uh, verse 1 says, These are the Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. Meaning, he really, really cared about. Uh, the fact that the, the, about the word of God living in his time and making sure it was passed on to the next generation. This guy, Hezekiah. It says he, middle of verse 7, this is important, he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. So the king of Assyria was the world power at that time and used to go... Basically, make vassals of other nations, meaning 
uh, you go from nation to nation to nation and say, hey, unless you give me whatever, 100,000 pounds of gold every year, I'm going to completely destroy you. And most of them did. But it says here that Hezekiah broke with them. And uh, yeah, that king's going to show up knocking at his door. But verse 8, he subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory from watchtower to fortified city. Now it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea, the son of Elam. Remember, Hosea was the last king up in the north. So this is an amazing picture here. The north is disintegrating because of rebellion against the Lord. And in the south, things are just expanding and prospering because of dedication to the Lord. It says... um, It came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, verse 9, which was the seventh year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. So he came up to the north, and this is just recounting in a couple verses that Assyria is taking over the north. And at the end of three years, they took it. In the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is, the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. It's going to be an interesting thing going on in, the, in Judah and Benjamin in the south where they know what's going on with all their cousins in the, in the north. They're being carted away to a place, what did you say, Freddie? 700 miles away? 730. 730 miles away. Can you imagine that? I mean, they, they were... This is their Jewish cousins in the north. They're being carted away to Nineveh and other places. But they're in the south prospering like crazy because a revival is going on. We'll read more about the revival also in Second Chronicles. Hezekiah literally sends people, not only all over Judah, to, to declare the law. He sends them to the north, to the ten tribes in the north. Which I don't think had been done. No, I know Jehoshaphat did that too. But it says in verse 11 the king of Assyria carried Israel away. Now, this is not talking about Hezekiah. This is, this is talking about the northern ten tribes. The king of Assyria carried Israel away to Assyria, put them in Hala and by the Haber, the river of Gozan, and the cities of the Medes. Because they did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant and all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded, and they would neither hear nor do them. So what a contrast between the north and the south in the 14th year of King Hezekiah. So we're seeing a switch here. It's a major change in an event. So in his 14th year, it says, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. So, 14 years into Hezekiah's reign, this is his, he, he had been leading a revival. The Assyrian king, remember he broke from the Assyrian king. He shows up in Judah and starts taking the city. So, to be sure... Anyone who follows the Lord and is bearing lots of fruit in their life 
Remember what fruit is. The life of God in you being reproduced in the life of another. Satan's going to show up in full armor to just try to steamroll you. And this guy, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, had been steamrolling every nation. And now he shows up. And Hezekiah, like every other person in the Bible other than Jesus Christ, initially fleshes out. He's not perfect. Let's see what he does. Then Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria, Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Hezekiah, why? Why are you doing this, man? We'll see him come back. He's gonna, he's gonna be, he's gonna come back really strong. I have done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose me, I will pay. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah, king of Judah, three hundred talents of silver and thirty talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house. Oh, Hezekiah, why? Why? Actually, I'm, this is wonderful reading things like this because when we fall flat on our face and when we flesh out, we can go and read about Hezekiah. We can go and read about David. We can go and read about Noah. We can go and read about Moses and realize, wow, these guys really messed up too, but they finished well. But he's not doing well right here in these verses. He gave him all the gold and silver in the house of the Lord. So he actually takes the gold and silver from the temple. And in the treasuries of the king's house, so he gives them all to the king. He strips the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. It's not going to do him any good. And you you do see this. uh, You know, it's kind of interesting. If you look back at the kings, some of the kings that were not good kings at all did the same thing. And they actually succeeded for a while. They actually succeeded. They, they made like a, a foreign king who was coming against them go away. The problem with you when you're a child of God, he doesn't let, he didn't let you get away with stuff like that. <laughs> so what works from, oh, I saw these other people. I know they weren't believers. This is what they did. I'm going to try it too. Yeah, let it. No, it's, it's not going to work. And it doesn't work for him. Why? Because God loves those he chastens. Hebrews chapter 12. He loves his own children. He says, if you don't get, if you're not chastened, that means you're an illegitimate child. Verse 17, the king of Assyria sent the Tartan, the Rabsaras, and the Rabshakeh. So these are like titles of, the Assyrian had a vast empire at this time. These are different titles uh, that they had. Uh, similar to mayor and, and governor and minister. This is just the name He sent them from Lachish with a great army against Jerusalem to Hezekiah, and they went up and came to Jerusalem. So all of Hezekiah is stripping of the doors of the temple. Now, it doesn't work here. When they had come up, they went and stood up by the aqueduct from the upper pool, which was on the highway to the fuller's field. 
And when they had called to the king, Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, was um, over the household. Shebna, the scribe, Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out uh, to them. Now, you can imagine what's happening here, these people. They had heard that in the north, the Assyrians just came in and wiped them all out. I mean, can you imagine the fear that is, uh, hey, wait, this just happened up north. How are we any different from them? Well, they were following the Lord. And we'll get to see that in, in a bit. But you can just imagine, knowing your Jewish cousins in the north had just been wiped out, they're thinking, okay, we're next. The fears are it's the opposite of faith. It's our greatest enemy. Fear. Verse 18, And when they had called to the king, Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was the, over the household, Shebna the scribe, and Joah of Asaph, the recorder, came out to them. Then the rap Shekah said to them, Say now to Hezekiah. This guy, every time I read this, I'm convinced this is like a devil talking through this. It's a demonic spirit talking at this point because this guy is going to talk like the devil talks to you and me. Say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, what confidence is this in which you trust? You speak of having plans and powers for war, but they are mere words. And in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Now look, you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed, Egypt, in which if a man leans, it will go into his hands and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who, were, to all who trusted him. So apparently there had been a confederation of nations that come against Assyria, and they all were just getting, again, steamrolled. Verse 22. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Did you guys catch what just happened? This is pretty amazing. So Hezekiah, during his revival, he takes away all the high places because the Lord had said, you're only supposed to worship in Jerusalem at the temple. And so he takes away all these high places. And just like I said, remember, at all these high places, there's people making money there, charging people whatever to go to their little high place. And Hezekiah shuts all of them down. And so the first thing this king says, or the second thing he says is, see what this guy did to you? You guys were having a good time going to all the high places. He shut them all down. He shut all of them down. Why are you following this king? Just give up, children of Israel, is what he says here. Verse 23, now therefore I urge you, Give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses if you're able on your part to put riders on. So this is a great trick of the devil. He, he always promises you uh, all kinds of stuff. And, and um, in the end, he doesn't deliver. 
in the end, he has no in, uh, intention of, uh, of all of you sort of enjoying for the rest of your life the pleasures that he's offering to you. Now, it's true that Satan sometimes uh, gives pleasure or, 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 or gives a certain reward for you initially taking a step in his direction. But it's a mirage. Sin is pleasurable for a season, the Bible says. But he's offering them horses. But then he goes, well, um, beyond that, how then will you repel, verse 24, one of the cabins of the least of my master's servants? So he's, he, he's, saying, he's saying, listen, we have a great army. We're coming against you. And you put your trust in Egypt for chariots and horsemen. Have I now come, uh, come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. So, so again, this is a classic ploy of the devil. Here, this general of the king of Assyria is saying, God told me to do this. He, he told me to, to, to come and, 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 and get you guys to surrender. And, 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 and oftentimes, um, when the Lord is telling you to go into a, 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 a certain direction, someone else will come and say, oh yeah, you know, I don't think, the Lord doesn't want you to do that. I, I, saw, I heard it in a dream. I, I hear about this stuff all the time. And they start, they'll even start quoting the Bible. Look, it, 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 the devil quotes the Bible. He knows it better than anyone. And, and, and he's actually saying here, the Lord told me to come up against this place. And inevitably, what do we do? Well, I really heard from the Lord. Maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe, maybe, the Lord, maybe the Lord told him to do this. Maybe I'm supposed to be given up. Maybe I'm supposed to let the king of Assyria come in and just take over Jerusalem. And, and so this is what's going on. This, this is like a, a master sort of demonic spirit in, in this guy. Verse 26, so Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, Shibna, and Joah, said to Rabshakeh. So remember, these three guys are Josiah's ministers. And they say to him, I don't know why they say, this is really dumb. I, sorry, I mean, I probably would have done the same thing. But it, please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. Do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. So would you speak to us in, in, in Aramaic because we really don't like the people who are sitting on the wall listening to everything you say. We, we really don't. Now why they thought this guy was going to cooperate with them is beyond me because he says, verse 20 says, but the Rapshikah said to them, has my master sent me to your master and, and to you to speak these words and not to the men who sit on the wall who will eat and drink their own waste with you? So again, he's trying to intimidate the people so they rebel against their own king. I mean, we've already, again, this has been brutal reading through, <laughs> reading through the Old Testament, but we've seen situations, right, where someone comes up to, to a fortified city and says, hey, give me the head of this person and we won't destroy this um, city and the head flies over the wall or the person flies over the wall. He's trying to do the same thing. He's just trying to get the people to rebel against Hezekiah here um, by intimidating them so much. Verse 28, Then Rabshakeh stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew and spoke. So, so now he's speaking to all the children of Israel. 
Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you from his hand, nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, the Lord shall deliver us. The city shall not be given to the hand of uh, the king of Assyria. Now, ironically, from the Second Chronicles, that is what Hezekiah had told the people. He told them that very thing. And so again, I don't know if this guy is spies or more likely just a demon speaking through him. And the people on the wall are like, hey, how did he know that Hezekiah told us this? It's the devil does this. The devil is a fierce warrior. Verse 30, again, nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying the Lord shall surely deliver us. The city shall not be given to the king of Assyria. Verse 31, do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Israel, make peace with me by a present and come out to me. And every one of you eat from his own vine and every one from his own fig tree and every one of you drink the waters of his own cistern. You'll all have a fig tree. You'll all have your own vineyard. You'll all have your own well in the place where I'm going to take you. Lie, 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 lie. I mean, he made these people slaves. And we already read in 2 Kings 5 with... Remember Naaman had a slave from, who was Jewish? Devils, Jesus said when the devil lies, he speaks his native language. Verse 32, until I come and take you away to a land with your own, a land of grain. So he's just, he's just painting a picture here. I'm going to take you to your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive groves and honey, that you may live and not die, but do not listen to Hezekiah, lest he persuade you, saying, the Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations at all delivers it, its land from the hands of the king of Syria? He's saying, look at all the na- these other nations. And remember, they're thinking of their own Jewish cousin, cousins in the north that hadn't been delivered that had been destroyed by the Assyrians. But he continues here to speaking to the people on the wall. Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Servavrim and Hina and Eva? Indeed, have they delivered Samaria from my hand? We went up to your Jewish cousins and we defeated them. You're Jews too. We're going to defeat you. Who among all the, verse 35, who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand? And the Lord, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand. Oops, he makes a big mistake there. Here he directly insults the Lord. Again, verse 35. Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand? That the Lord, all caps there, Yahweh, that Yahweh should deliver Jerusalem from my hand. Uh, that remind anyone of a story from the book of Exodus, chapter 5. You guys remember Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh? And they say, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast for me in the wilderness. What did Pharaoh say? Who is the Lord that I should obey him? You're going to feel some pain. Ooh! 
So he insults the Lord here. Verse 36. My, my son, who's sitting in the audience, makes fun of me for saying this so often, but honestly, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, But the people held their peace and answered him not a word. Why? Because they were schooled in the Word of God. They didn't just, this didn't just happen like, uh, it, it, this didn't just happen uh, that they woke up that morning never having um, experienced the Word of God, never experiencing the prosperity of the Lord. And then Hezekiah tells them, hey, look, when they come here and they say, uh, we're going to destroy you, don't, don't say anything, don't do anything, the Lord's going to deliver us. And then when they're threatened, they don't say a word. They don't rebel against Hezekiah. No, they were like this because they were schooled in the Word of God. They had been the beneficiaries of a revival. They knew the Word of God. They knew how God prospers His people. Otherwise, they would have rebelled that very second. I mean, this is a miracle in and of itself. These people, any other situation of any other city, of any other nation, the people would have said, forget this. There's 185,000 soldiers around us. Let's get this guy, this Hezekiah guy, and throw him over the wall. But this is what happens when a church, when a people are schooled in the Word of God. When the persecution comes, they hold their peace. They don't freak out. I was just so incredibly encouraged when the pandemic hit and we were in a shutdown. Just what a blessing it was to see the faithfulness of the people in our church, the brothers and the sisters, the leadership in our church. And just how we've been able to navigate the, the, the pandemic. And so discouraging to me to hear brothers and sisters of churches who split in half. A good friend of mine, his church completely shut down. Just because people freaking out. What an encouragement to me that just the, the, the people of Calvary Chapel in the city and so many other churches as well just just knowing the word of God, God's going to take us through this. He's going to take us through this. And so here they're listening to all these threats of the devil. These lies, these demonic lies. Promising vineyards. I'll take you away to a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive groves and honey, but if not, you're going to be drinking your own wastewater. And it says, the people held their peace and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was, do not answer him. Wow. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him the words of 
Rabshaka. What's the time now? Quarter of? Verse 1 says, And so it was when King Hezekiah heard it that he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went out and surrendered. Does it say that? No, it says he went out and went to the house of the Lord. We know that from um, from Second Chronicles thirty-two, verse twenty, it says he he prayed and cried out to the God of heaven. Then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and elders of the priests, covered with uh, sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. So they he sent three three guys to to um, to Isaiah. So I guess the Second Chronicles verse is, uh, is is a little later, but because it says in Second Chronicles it says Isaiah and Hezekiah cried out to the Lord, and 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 they said to Isaiah, thus says Hezekiah. This is a day of trouble, rebuke, and blasphemy. For the children have come to birth, but there's no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of the Rapshika, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. Brothers and sisters, when your life is greatly threatened by whatever trial, you need to go to a brother or sister in the body of Christ and ask for prayer. Notice here, he goes to Isaiah, goes to a godly person, and he asks for prayer. You know, about once a month, someone comes to me and their life is just the entire the entire sky is falling down on them. And I say, you need to find someone to be praying the power of God into your life and you need to pray with them at least once a week. you got to do that. You know, there's certain burdens that we bear on our own. We pray to the Lord. We don't, you don't have to take every single burden to another Christian. There's no, the Bible never says that. But there are burdens that we, it's just really important to, um, to take to another brother or sister. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When you go to a brother or sister and you ask them for prayer, in a sense, it's the same thing as going to Jesus Christ because... They are members of the body of Christ. Ephesians 5 says, we're bone of his bones, we're flesh of his flesh. They have the spirit of Christ in them. And so you're you're relying on Jesus Christ when when you do that. So um, he's, he's praying himself in the house of the Lord. He's going to others asking for prayer. 
So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard, with which the servant of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Surely I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall uh, hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. So there's a prophecy here that he's going to leave, and then he's going to get killed when he, um, at home, the king of Assyria, that is. Verse 8, then Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria um, warring against Libna, for he heard that he had departed from Lachish, and the king heard concerning Terkasha, king of Ethiopia, look, he's come out to make war with you. So he, again, he uh, sent messengers to Hezekiah saying, so this is what's going on here. The king of Assyria all of a sudden hears um, that there is another army that's coming coming against him. So he turns his attention away from Jerusalem um, for a season. And and this is, you know, when when you're in a situation that you have no idea how you're going to get out, remember this, God has solutions you know nothing about. (laughs) He has solutions you know nothing about. And so uh, that's what happens here. Um, he, he tells him, uh, 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 the Lord tells this king and diverts him, d- diverts his attention um, away from Jerusalem. But he's, he's fearful of what Hezekiah, Hezekiah may interpret this. So he sends another threatening message to Hezekiah in verse 10. He says, thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given uh, into the hand of the king of Assyria. Look, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands by utterly destroying them, and, and shall you be delivered? You really think you're going to be delivered? Have the gods of all the nations delivered those whom my fathers have destroyed, Gozan and Haran and Roseth and the people of Eden who, who were in Tel Esser. Where's the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, and the king of uh, the city of Zepharim, Hena and Eva? And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers, and he read it. And he went up to the house of the Lord, and he spread it before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone of all the kings of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly the Lord, truly Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations in their lands. And have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they destroyed them. But now, therefore, O Lord, O God, I pray, save us from his hand that all the kingdom of the earth may know that you are the Lord God and you alone. Verse 20, and we'll end here. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard it.
in 1 John chapter 5 says this. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. 